0: knows more down those days the sense of surfing
1: and hard rod than myself written over 350 songs in three years and something like 60 some odd albums it's a record that will never be ever duplicated in the entire history of the record business let me tell you the
2: official
3: Hello friends, this is Wyatt in Nashville, and I'm here with Jason. Hello friends. And we are here with episode three of the Sail On podcast. Thanks again for listening in. We just passed 700 downloads for the first two episodes. It's totally awesome. Overwhelmed by all the people listening in, writing in, and sending voicemails. So that's really awesome. Um... I wanted to start off the show by thanking everybody and then also playing some of the voicemails that we got from some of the listeners. Love it. Um, the first one is from Steven Pierce.
2: Hey, guys. I just wanted to tell you guys one of my favorite Beach Boys songs and my favorite album, which is obviously Pet Sounds. <laughs> I found out about y'all's podcast today. And I listened to the first episode of My Way to Work, and I'm, I'm on the second episode mm-hmm. on the way back. And... I just love listening to you guys. I feel like this is the podcast that I've been waiting for in my life. Uh, I've been listening to the Beach Boys ever since I was a little boy. Um, I'm 20 years old, so I'm, I, I'd like to think I'm still young. But the Beach Boys have been a big impact on me in my life, and especially Brian, Carl, and Dennis. Uh, quickly, I think one of my favorite songs, something that y'all didn't mention when one of y'all were talking about Surf's Up, is Disney Girls. Mm -hmm. I know it's a Bruce solo song, but God, it's just, it's so beautiful. It's almost up there with, you know, God Only Knows and Caroline Know, as in just how sheer beautiful it is and how it just makes me feel like I'm in love and I'm not. So it's pretty crazy for that feeling. But yeah, Uh, also I agree with, I can't remember which one we talked about, Till I Die, and how you cried listening to it, and you didn't know why you are crying. I understand exactly what you're feeling. <laughs> I didn't know that there were other people in the world that felt that way when listening to Till I Die or the Beach Boys, but it's pretty cool. And obviously, favorite albums be Pet Sounds. Uh, it's a big, big album for me and my family. My father was really into The Grateful Dead and a lot of music when I was little, and he loved Beach Boys too. When we were little, he'd play pet sounds when I'd be outside playing and he'd be outside working on a car or doing yard work. And I just remember hearing, wouldn't it be nice? And God Only Knows and Sloop John B. I remember those when I was a kid. And sadly, my father passed away from cancer when I was seven. And when I was 16, I found his old CDs. And me and my brother, my twin brother, we shared a car to go to school with. And I swear to God for at least maybe six months straight, we only listened to Pet Sounds. It was his CD, and it meant a lot to both of us because it was our father's. And we just fell in love with Pet Sounds. And that's when I really started to fall in love with the Beach Boys. Uh, and it's just, that album and that group just means a whole lot to us. And it was really cool hearing your podcast. Very relatable. Very relaxing. Very fun, very funny. Y'all are doing a great job. I'm definitely going to check out some of y'all's music. You don't have to use this in the show, but I just want to let y'all know that you you guys are just doing an amazing job. And thank you so much. All right. See ya.
3: Well, thank you, Steven. That was awesome. Really touching to hear about your relationship with your father and how that plays into your love for the Beach Boys. That's super cool. Um, My dad got me into the Beach Boys as well. And, uh, you know, thankfully we still share that bond and uh, I don't take it for granted. And the next one comes from Daniel Valencia.
0: Hey, Jason and Wyatt. First of all, I want to congratulate you on an excellent podcast. I've really been enjoying it. It's awesome to hear people talk about the Beach Boys, and I love it. So I think my favorite Beach Boys album, besides Pet Sounds, I'm going to go ahead and tell you my favorite favorite besides Pet Sounds, because everyone knows Pet Sounds is the best. Um, Well, I feel like this answer changes every other day, but uh right now i'm gonna say sunflower because um it just seems like every single song on it is just incredible and different and i feel like it represents um the entire band pretty fairly and uh i mean it has all i want to do on it which is stunning and gorgeous and um some great dennis wilson songs and of course cool cool water at the end is just phenomenal and i love it so um yeah so thanks again for the podcast um you, you guys should come play in Oklahoma City, whether it be as Salon or as Explorers Club. Love all your music. So um, thanks again. See ya.
4: You know, I'm really glad. Love to hear the enthusiasm for Sunflower. It was a big album for me. And I love Cool, Cool Water. Every time I hear it, I just can't resist cranking it up. Our last voicemail of the day comes from our friend Justin Plank.
5: Hey, guys. It's Justin Plank. <clears throat> just finish your second episode of Sail On. Sounds great. Uh, I love it. This is something I'd love to promote to other people who may not know the finer details of the geeky saga of the Beach Boys. And I really wanted to do a podcast myself a couple years ago and never could get it started. I didn't really know how to technically. And then I just did my own YouTube channel. But anyway, I had a question. Uh, I, I know you guys just started, so, you know, you're trying to work out the finer details and everything. But I was just wondering if you guys are going to go over some of the side projects, uh, that we don't hear much about. I know the next episode is about Gary Usher, so I knew there were some different side things they worked on. Uh, and then things like, you know, the compilation that came out a few years ago, the Big Beat, that had, you know, different side things that Brian worked with, the Honeys. And Bob and Sherry with the Surfer Moon. I was just curious about that. Um, just more stuff I want to geek out on. I just love hearing people talk about it. So uh, I'd love to hear what you guys are going to do about that. And I've got your number saved on my phone, so you're going to probably hear from me every week, and you're going to get tired of it. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the show. Bye.
3: Thank you very much, Justin. And, yeah, we are definitely going to cover most of that stuff that you mentioned, the Big Beat compilation, the Bob and Sherry. Um, we're covering a couple side projects today, so stay tuned later in the show.
4: We love the enthusiastic fans.
3: Uh, and we have one more interesting voicemail that um, I don't know who, who left it, but um, it's kind of a conspiracy theorist. So here's here you go.
0: Here's something you talk about on your show. And, uh, Amazon is deleting one-star reviews of the new Mike Love album, even those from certified, authorized, whatever their special word is for it, uh, purchasers of the album. Um, they're leaving the five stars, which are people who apparently have suffered hearing or brain damage, um, but they're deleting all the one-star reviews. Investigative journalism. Get into it.
4: Um so you- <laughs> All I have to say about that yeah. voicemail is, I need further proof, and this is an exciting development. If you want to call us and leave us a
3: message, that number is 615-606-3887. It's in the show notes as well. Email is saleonpodcast at gmail.com, and we will be reading some emails at some point too, um, but for now thank you guys and we'll look forward to hearing more from you in the future all right so today's episode as advertised is about Gary Usher a really big player in the start of the Beach Boys and a huge player if not the biggest player in the whole hot rod slash surf slash beach movie scene of the mid 1960s absolutely so in January of 1962 Gary Usher was living in LA, and his uncle lived in Hawthorne, and he lived actually just down the street from the Wilsons. And Gary was a songwriter and was trying to kind of find his place in Hollywood, kind of writing songs. He had moved down from Massachusetts, and he was a couple years older than Brian. He was 22 or 23 at the time. And his uncle kept urging him to go over and meet the Wilsons because he knew they had a band and they had just put out their first single. And Gary was aware of it, but he said it didn't interest him. He said he thought it was just some kids playing around. So eventually Gary got convinced to go over there, met Murray, um, told him that he was trying to look for you know the Beach Boys and wanted to work with them or talk with them about maybe collaborating And he met Brian, and they hit it off immediately. They got along really well. Gary said he was a little immature, so the age difference didn't really make a a difference there. They, uh, like, right off the bat, started writing some songs, and the first song they wrote was The Lonely Sea.
1: The Lonely Sea
4: such a great song
3: yeah it's cool like it as as the story goes brian started singing over a chord progression that that gary brought um just kind of a simple thing and and brian turned it into the song that you just heard um super cool great song uh that'll come back up later in our story um but you know that kind of was the beginning of their relationship and uh they wrote several songs um for over the next few months While the Beach Boys were recording the sessions with Hyde Morgan and um, kind of establishing themselves as a live act, the first uh, demos that they cut were done at Western Studios. They did two sessions and Gary, uh, having worked there before, was kind of showing Brian the ropes and um, Murray was there, of course, with them, the, the Wilson's dad. Um, at the time he was their manager, yep, and he didn 't really like Gary that much straight off he didn 't like the threat of someone outside the family being part of the group or being part of the business as it were. but yep, they wrote some songs that, for whatever reason, did not make it onto a beach boy's record. Maybe they were planned for other artists, um, but they did four songs, the beginning of the end and visions with brian singing lead and then one way road to love and my only alibi with
4: gary usher on lead that's right and so a couple things my only alibi just a strange fact for you on that that song was redidled human and cut by country legend hank snow in 1964.
5: I'll always be just you
4: the interesting thing I think with but with all these tracks it almost sounds like they had their own aspirations outside of them doing Beach Boys tunes because you know what how many more days later do they get to the next set of tunes?
3: Yeah, so just three days later, they brought the Beach Boys in to do some new demos to try and get a record deal, because their label Candix was folding, and their relationship with the Morgans was ending. Yep. So they did The Lonely Sea. They redid Surf and Safari. They did the Four Freshmen song. Their hearts were full of spring. And then they did a new Usher Wilson composition called 409.
1: She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Well, I saved my pennies and I saved my dimes. Giddy up, giddy up, 409. For I knew there would be a time.
3: those songs being done they brought them, you, them to Nick Bennet at Capitol whatnot, and he liked them enough to give the beach Boys a record deal and surf and Safari and 409 became cornerstones of that Uh, first album and uh, they're still played to this day at every Beach Boys show absolutely and uh, not to get too much into the Surf and Safari album because we're going to get into that next week in depth with our album commentary but Wilson and Usher kind of wrote that whole album um, within a couple months there Um, in my opinion um, not their strongest work very young obviously at the time but um, really really cool how quickly those guys kind of came together and worked together and uh,
4: like cranked out yeah basically hit after hit quickly there was always kind of hearsay out there that Gary Usher was the guy who because he had a lot of Hollywood connections and, and LA scene connections that Brian didn't have so in a way their relationship was really mutually beneficial Brian was kind of this got a had a hot local hit and this guy had you know connections that he was starting to work so it was kind of believed at one point that maybe Usher was really responsible for getting the boys to Capitol but um, it really was Murray and and Nick Vinay didn't hear the the demos that the Usher demos and, and jump out of his seat and sign him right away. He actually sat on it for a few days. So I read a quote from Usher saying that him and Brian were super nervous for like three or four days before they got the call. And then they of course flipped out when they found out they got the deal. While the beach boys are enjoying
3: some mild success, Gary and Brian had the idea to start working with other artists and producing for other people. And um, this was just as the dance song craze was hitting, the the locomotion was huge, the mashed potato, etc. And they decided to try and capitalize on that by writing a song called The Revolution. Oh, yeah. Um, they ended up wanting to write this song for a black female singer. And they did not know a black female singer at the time, so they got in gary's car and drove into a what kind of black area of la to look for a singer like you know and and usher joked that they didn't have any idea what they were doing they you know he joked that they would just see somebody on the side of the road with a sign that said black singer yeah um (laughs) I love that story. And uh, they actually were going around asking people and they got a tip from somebody to go to this house. And there was a young girl there who was a great singer. And, you know, the story goes, they, they auditioned the song for her and her parents and they were all on board. But then something happened last minute and they didn't do the session. And then there's still all this like controversy about who actually sang on this song. And, no one really knows to this day who who actually sings on this song, The Revolution. The the name of the group is Rachel and the Revolvers. It's just a throwaway name, but Rachel is still a mystery. Yep.
1: Rotate Rotate yeah.
4: shows Brian right out the gate in his Spectre affection, the really early days of it. I mean, because Spectre was just kind of hitting around the same time, so it must have been an immediate thing for Brian, but I I really did. I mean, the songs aren't both the sides they cut, with the Rachel and the revolvers, you know, they're not amazing, but they're super cool, like kind of foreshadowing. That's right, and number
3: one, the B-side of Revolution is actually um a reworking of that first uh demo that they did called visions um yeah they used the yeah. same backing track for that and just had rachel sing over it it's all right i like that song better than the a side i think that sounds cool it's very brian yeah it's more
4: it's got more it's got more depth yeah yeah for sure
1: visions. I get v-
3: The short story is they, they had mild success with that, and it was kind of just an experiment, um, something fun that they kind of talked about doing and did, and it's cool that they had the opportunity to do it. And uh, it actually came out on Dot Records, which to them was a pretty big deal. Yeah, like we talked about Dot in our last episode a little yep. bit. So Brian and Gary's relationship was strained because Murray never wanted gary and brian riding together he liked it better when it was just brian or brian and mike so um it was tougher and tougher for them to work together plus the beach boys were always on the road and um in 1963 there was a huge movement you know terry melcher bruce johnston all these guys were kind of like battling back and forth with all these hot rods slash surf bands um, and they were mostly built up of studio musicians
4: for these bands. It was sort of like boy bands almost. Yeah. You know, the thing I, I heard a great interview with Gary and one thing he mentioned, it was him and Brian and Terry Melcher and Bruce Johnston and, and to a lesser extent, uh, Jan Barry too. But, but, you know, those four, especially they were all kind of at different labels, but they all kind of they were they were friendly co- competitors and brian had even said that you know gary was the person who really taught him about being competitive with music like it wasn't something he had necessarily contemplated early on and gary kind of got him into that so well, they were cranking all these things out obviously the beach boys were kind of the high water mark with the most success but these guys were all at different labels you know bruce and terry together and then gary worked for a bunch of different labels and then You know, Brian obviously was tied with Capitol, but they were really just like you were saying the uh, beach boy band mob.
3: Yeah, it was crazy. Um, And I kind of grew up, you know, knowing just about these other groups on the peripheral, but never really exploring it Um, until I watched this Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon movie. Called Fast Beach enough. Ball. Well, the
4: chicks can't make it quick enough. There's never been a
1: beach ball like Beach Ball. Starring that Riptide Rider and ah! Burns. Those
3: because I saw a preview for it on another old movie, like on one of those you know either like amc classics or whatever that channel was oh, yeah um for this movie Beach Ball, and uh it had like frankie valley and the four seasons uh the righteous brothers and then yeah it this group popped up that was called the hondells
1: the hondells
3: And it was like these four guys wearing matching sweaters and playing what yeah. sounded like surf music and sounded like sort of like a Beach Boys outtake. Um, but something was kind of off about it. And it was just this little like five second clip of them playing a song and it knocked me out. <laughs> I was like, who is that? What is this band? Who is this? Who is the Hondells?" And I, uh, at the time, you know, I, I couldn't find anything by them at the record store. Uh, This was like the early days of ordering music on the internet, pre-MP3. So I went on Amazon.com and found an import of a Hondel CD and bought that. And that was kind of my introduction to all this Gary Usher kingdom that he created.
4: (laughs) Um, The Gary Usher kingdom, I love it. It's an
3: endless fountain of Beach Boy, I don't want to say ripoffs, but Beach Boy you know uh
4: what's a nice way to put it it's just a it's a it's a hot rod and surf smorgasbord man
3: yeah it really is and and some of it is obviously beach boys ripoffs but they were all working together and um you know while none of them some of
4: it some of it goes like even like proto-punk in a way like it gets some of it's a little yeah edgier than maybe a beach boys record oh
3: yeah absolutely and the hondells actually were put together just so that Gary Usher could put out the single Little Honda, which was a Brian Wilson song that the Beach Boys had recorded, but it was just an album track. And Brian was like, yeah, sure, go ahead, put it out. And then it was a big hit, and Capitol rushed to put out the Beach Boys version as a single. But it was too late. Gary got to it first, and uh, it was a bigger hit for the Hondells than it was for the Beach Boys.
5: Let's hear the one that hit the top. It is a gas, a thing called Little Honda. Ladies and gentlemen, the Hondels! It's
1: all right. It's all right. i right. I'm gonna wake you up early cause I'm gonna take a ride with you. We're going down to the Honda shop. I'll tell you what we're gonna do. Put on a ragged sweatshirt. I'll take you in. Where you want me to. First gear, it's alright.
3: A lot of the early stuff was just Gary Usher and a lot of studio musicians. Um, he used the wrecking crew, he used some friends of his, a band called the Indigo's. Um, a band called the Castiles. Great singers. He kind of enlisted these guys to play his songs and produce them. And um, that was kind of how he kept pumping out all these albums and singles under different names. And no one knew that these weren't real bands half the time. And it's just studio musicians plus Gary Usher kind of
4: yep. leading the way
3: and writing and the songs. All,
4: I mean, so much of this was really like 1963 and... Most of 64, he was, they were cranking out all this stuff, and then, you know, the big folk rock explosion kind of um, crashes the wave a little, but we could talk
3: about that in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much of it, and, and it's hard. We were talking about earlier before the show that it's just hard to figure out what's. Um, worth talking about because we could make 10 yep. episodes just on the music of Gary Usher in the sixties, right. all the stuff he produced and had a hand in. Um, but I think, you know, there's some of it that's really interesting and has a lot more to do with uh, the beach boys than the others. Um, the first one being the honeys. So the honeys were a girl group um, consisting of Ginger Blake, Diane and Marilyn Rovell, Marilyn Rovell, obviously, ended up marrying Brian Wilson and the Honeys were put together almost by Brian Wilson as a kind of a, a girl version of the Beach Boys. Like the Honeys was taken from, you know, the Beach Boys lyrics. Um, yep. I'm Serving Safari. And um, Gary actually had a hand in some of their early singles and he actually enlisted them on a few singles of his own as the Usherettes. He was dating Ginger, right? Yeah, so Gary was actually dating Ginger um, before the group started, and she was a singer in her own right. Yep. And Brian and Gary and radio DJ and also Brian Wilson collaborator, Roger Christian, wrote this song called He's a Doll. Well, he's not very tall, but he's not too short. He's just a
1: doll.
4: Favorite early Brian Productions. I love it. It's killer. It is
3: great. And around that time, also, was when Gary was putting out records uh, under the names The Four Speeds, The Sunsets. Um, he worked with several other groups at the time, kind of in that same vein Hot Rod band, sort of uh, the, the Astronauts, The Neptunes. Um, the list goes on and on. Uh, he got into the beach movies um, he was asked if he wanted to kind of contribute to um, the soundtracks for some of these beach films he was he was like the go to for the scene totally rad the word is that he never turned down anything um, so he yeah. that's why he got so much work and that's why he stayed so prolific throughout the mid 60s um, and I think it was the second or third beach movie that he did that was called muscle beach party and he actually produced that record and co-wrote that whole soundtrack with brian wilson and roger christian um and the title track this is actually a good actually a good trivia question all right the title track is also very similar to a beach voice song and if you can name that song we'll feature you on the next episode
1: Working out on the sand from the latest dance craze to a wild handstand. stand now Well last year was great now, but this year is better You better grab your chick or else I'll hustle and I'll get her Flex your muscles for kicks now, now, now Gotta hustle the chick, yeah, yeah, yeah Take your vitamin pill now What is get the attention
3: until the muscle start the he wrote a few more songs with Brian that ended up on records. Um, obviously in my room. A really big one on the oh, Surfer yeah. Girl
4: album. Amazing.
3: But also a song that I know you and I love a lot.
4: Pom Pom Playgirl. Absolutely. Carl's first big lead, baby. theory, was you were saying, that, you know, that, you, know, you kind of, Brian phased out working with him. I know that what I've heard early is that Murray, obviously, with his controlling ways, definitely pushed Gary under the carpet a little more and really wanted Brian to work more with Roger Christian. Um... I think that may be partially true, but, you know, as we talked about earlier, Gary was just cranking out so much work. I mean, if you go on YouTube and look up Gary Usher singles, I mean, you're going to sit there and listen to a hundred songs. So either what stuff he produced or stuff he sang or stuff that he wrote. So I feel like maybe there's some truth to that stuff I've read in a few of the books. But, you know, overall, it seems to me they just outgrew each other.
3: Yeah. Um And there seems to be a little bit of animosity from Gary um, at the end of the day about um, the way it went down. I don't think – he. I mean, he obviously didn't work well with Murray, uh, and that kind of was a recurring theme throughout the first few years of the Beach Boys career. Um, Nobody wanted to work with Murray. I know in the early days when they were in the studio, Gary said that – When they worked with Chuck Britz the engineer that Murray would ask him to do something and Gary would kind of just you know wink at Chuck and that was kind of a way to say look don't actually do anything that Murray says he's not here to produce the records Um, they just they just clashed and so that's definitely a big part of it Um, but Gary went on to do a lot of other things that are really interesting Um, and it does come full circle
4: in a lot of ways too. Absolutely. You know, he did my three favorite birds records and, you know, for a long time, I didn't realize that, the guy who co-wrote some of my favorite songs With my favorite band of all time The Beach Boys Also produced three of three albums That really were big for me Especially my college years He, he did Younger Than Yesterday Notorious Bird Brothers Which is an all-time classic If you guys haven't heard That record features totally. a great song Called Going Back on it And it's like the record where they kick David Crosby Out of the band Which is crazy But that album is unbelievable If That's Not Amazing Enough, which that album was big for a lot of people that came later, a lot of 80s and 90s musicians, and, and people like me, my age, you know. Also, he, Gary Usher produced Sweetheart of the Rodeo, which arguably has spawned the entire Americana music scene along with the records Bob Dylan was doing at that time. So, I mean, Gary Usher... Outside of his amazing influence on American music with the Beach Boys and all the hot rod stuff, all the psychedelic country rock that he brought to the table, and if you listen to those early, early demos that he did with Brian that we talked about earlier, you can hear his country leaning already. So, you know, the fact that the Birds sought and the Birds sought him out because Columbia was pressuring them to, you know, bring in a a producer um that they trusted, I guess, and they sought Gary out because of his reputation and knew that he would be experimental, cause you know, Gary was not always a rule follower, more of a trailblazer. So uh, not only did he do those birds records, he did a record that I know me and Wyatt both love a ton, Sagittarius.
1: Just like a breath of spring, you came my But not today
3: kind of crazy to me looking back on it how different this album is than the stuff he was doing just like two or three years earlier um that he had this capability the whole time that he was doing hundreds of hot rod songs
4: you know i think he got into like that factory mode with the hot rod stuff and i know that as any writer and musician has they can if you're a great I think a great artist can differentiate between doing the stuff that pays the bills and then doing the stuff that really um, grow can grow with you and grow your art you know, your art reach. So um, I think that I think with the Sagittarius record, I mean you have Glenn Campbell, Bruce Johnston, Kurt Betcher, all these great People that he works with on this record that was kind of part of a developing sunshine pop scene at the time. Maybe this is one of the seminal records of that, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, when he
3: met Kurt Becher, I mean, that's like worlds colliding right there, you know? Um, yeah. For me, yeah. it's it's that whole soft pop era that I love so much and that I feel like you know, Brian dabbled in at times himself, but Kurt Becher was definitely one of the the front runners of that movement as far as producers and songwriters and artists. Um, and him and Gary Usher formed a label together called Together Records. And yeah. uh the label didn't really do that well, but God, it's so awesome to see, you know, like pictures of those guys working together and just yeah. how like small the world really was back then with all these producers like Bruce Johnston, Terry Melcher, guys that all, you know, do their own thing, but also work with the beach boys and then also do this, you know, other kind of collective of, you know, more psychedelic, like turn of the decade, soft pop music. Yeah, um, It really is amazing to me. and, and, I can't imagine living in that era and getting to witness all of that firsthand and how fast the, the scene changed, you know?
4: Yeah. Well, I think when all the bands started going more psychedelic, you know, we were talking about the birds a minute ago. And if you really look at it, those birds records were kind of the first psychedelic records. I think in the pop mainstream, there was probably other site, more psychedelic stuff going on. And, before that weren't mainstream. But if you look at those in those first few hit hit birds records, oddly enough, do you know who the producer of the first two birds albums was Terry Melcher? Yeah. That's amazing. So, Yep. so it was like the Hot Rod guys kind of flipped the switch in a way um, so Melcher did those first couple of records in Columbia forced some other producer in there and they weren't happy with him and that's when they sought out Gary and, and Usher was full on like okay let's get really far out there and I mean you hear first really first use of a Moog synthesizer is on um, uh, Notorious Bird Brothers on a like a recorded record I, I may be wrong but it's on the first it, it's the first on a pop record anyway yeah um, yeah and I mean he also did some other sunshine pop kind of stuff in that time period other than we a spiral staircase song called I'll Run which I love Big personal favorite, Um, and he did Chad and Jeremy's more sunshine pop California influence stuff. They they tried to move to the they moved to the U.S. to record in California because they were so obsessed with it, and they made two albums with uh, Gary Usher of Cabbage and Kings and The Ark. So. Gary definitely did some of my favorite styles of music, hot rod surf and amazing psychedelic and country psychedelic stuff. So he's a much bigger influence than I realized, you know, doing a lot of research for our episode. I knew all this stuff, but I just had to put it all together. And I was like, man, this is such a, as you said, we could do 10 episodes on all this stuff.
3: Yeah, it really is amazing uh, how many how many releases that he was part of, um, you know, not to mention one of my favorite albums of all time, um, the millennium begin, which is a Kurt Becher studio project, but Gary is credited as executive coordinator on
4: the record. I don't know what that means, he but have, he either supplied all the drugs or <laughs> I was he say, brought in, he, or he brought in all the musicians. Yeah, it's interesting. I
3: mean, because um, he may have been, in some capacity, an engineer or producer. But um, he's listed as executive coordinator. So that's good enough for me. I know that he's involved. And um, it just makes that record
4: even cooler. Um, so anyway. anyway. Well, one thing that we that make, brings this full circle to Beach Boys for me is Gary, in the late 60s, did a tribute album. To Brian. Now I'm not certain I probably need to get a listener to correct me if this was ever released, but it definitely exists in reissue form and it's these crazy great orchestral versions of Brian Wilson tunes, but they were later Brian Wilson tunes uh mostly a lot of pet sounds and friends and things of that nature so of course me that being just my favorite music of all time those great versions uh you hear them sometimes i think playing over the stereo at brian wilson concerts you might hear one of these but i particularly love his rendition of friends (laughs)
3: thing that i think is the most interesting about that is gary was quoted as saying he didn't really enjoy a lot of the post surf and hot rod era beach boys songs i think it was mostly out of jealousy um but he did this whole album of orchestral versions you know of these songs that were mostly post 64 and i thought that was pretty
4: interesting you know um um, you know, a thing that I thought of, Wyatt, wasn't Gary Usher part and Bruce Johnston doing that thing in the 70s where they tried to get Brian to put all the new vocals to, like, Friends tunes and stuff like that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. California music. Um, yeah, it was called California music. It was Bruce Johnston and Terry Melcher, um, yeah, Gary Usher, Gary. Kurt Becher, and yeah. Brian.
4: And yeah. I think um mike love or not maybe not mike love specifically but i know the beach boys caught wind of this and got real frazzled that brian was putting energy into that and not their stuff yeah and this
3: was during the time that that bruce had left the beach boys for that right. like six years or whatever it was um, during the, the blondie era yeah and um I think the whole thing kind of fell through because they brought in Brian Wilson, you know, in 1974. Yeah, and we he was in such was a bad state his... yeah. that um, it was just too tough for the guys to go go through with it. Um, he didn't recognize any of the musicians, like the, the directing crew guys. Right. acted like he didn't know them. I mean, it's really interesting. In, it, if it had a gone, if it had gone through. Um, what they could have come out with.
4: Yeah, it could have been a serious mind melter because that's a bunch of, you know, brilliant guys. Or it could have been really terrible because sometimes when you put all those superpowers together, it's just egomania central.
3: Yeah, and that's true too. Um, Yeah. I think, you know, Brian always... One thing that, that this does attest to is that Brian always was a great collaborator. He never held back anything from other people i mean he was always all about sharing the wealth uh, and success of the beach boys and doing whatever it would take to make the music better um i mean he's been known to you know bring in outside um artists and lyricists to to co-write songs all the time all through his career and I always thought that was awesome cuz I mean he definitely could have done it all himself or could have just done everything with with my glove but
4: I always thought that was cool well as you know and we, you and I both are songwriters and we've been there you know we can do lots on our own but I know with songwriting man it's great to feed off the energy somebody else is bringing in and sometimes your best work is done in collaboration you know it's got to be obviously the right combination but i mean collaboration can bring some magic to the room for sure
3: oh yeah and it was really great for brian to have um somebody who had spent some time already in the music scene in la to kind of mentor him and um You know it was it was a guy he looked up to and uh you know he definitely moved on to other collaborators but during their little time together the first year or so they wrote a lot of really good songs and obviously gary usher was able to piggyback that success into everything else that he'd worked on and made tons of amazing music so uh it's pretty awesome um Gary also went on to work on Bruce Johnston's solo album in the seventies. We'll save
4: that for the later years. To pair along <laughs> with uh, looking back with love. Well, okay. So stay tuned.
3: We're going to do a Bruce Johnston episode at some point. So that will be covered entirely. Um, yeah. but along those lines, great. one of the last things that, um, sadly we lost Gary Usher in 1990, um, to cancer. But one of the last things that he ever did was a collaboration with Brian Wilson in 1988. A song called Let's Go to Heaven in My Car. on the police academy 4 soundtrack now we're talking <laughs> obviously co-written with brian and dr eugene landy um,
4: extraordinaire
3: songwriter producer you know brother from another mother um, that's him
4: man,
3: <laughs> oh, i can't Lord. wait can't wait to get into that that'll be like five years from now what have we gotten
4: ourselves into uh, the only thing I'll have to say here is that uh, you guys got to get into all these records we're talking about because Gary Usher is amazing. What a great, wide breadth of music that guy worked on. It's it's a great, great thing to check out. And I know Wyatt can recommend all these amazing books that we've been reading this week.
3: Yeah, so um, the main reference that we have... For this episode is a book written by uh Stephen j mcparland it's called the california sound and um, i will link to where you can buy that book in the show notes i think it is fascinating it is unbelievably um, in depth on his story his life everything he's ever worked on there's some amazing photos in there of him and brian of him and Kurt Betcher and, um, all the groups that he worked with and all the 45s that he made. It's really, really fantastic. So I definitely recommend checking it out if you want to go de- deeper down this rabbit hole. Um, cause we definitely did. And like I said, we could talk for hours and hours about the discography that he left behind, but, um, man, the stuff that he did with, with the beach boys is really important. And huge moment in rock and roll history. yeah, it has a, it's a it's a huge part of rock and roll history. So thank you, Gary. Um, we uh, will probably get into more of the collaborations that Brian had with other artists, um, including uh, Roger Christian, you know obviously Tony Asher, Van Dyke Parks um, in the coming episodes. So that's all for Gary Usher, at least for this week. Because next week we are going to do our Full Surf and Safari album Commentary So you guys are going to enjoy that I think I know I'm really excited about it And as always Thank you guys so much for listening Thank you for writing us and calling us Please keep listening Tell your friends to listen Um Oh yeah so we're doing a iTunes review raffle So thank you guys for writing itunes reviews for us we did a random name out of a hat and the winner is daniel valencia congrats dan who also left us a nice voicemail at the beginning of the show so that's awesome so daniel send us your shirt size and your mailing address and we'll get that out to you thank you very much um and if anybody else Would like to leave us a review whether it's good or bad please do and let us know how we can improve let us know what you want to hear from us and um what you think an interesting episode might be and as always let us know what your favorite beach boys album is all right anything else jason
4: only thing else i got for you is to make sure to follow our tribute band that me and wyatt are part of sailonsounds.com check out the dates and uh keep listening to the podcast it's so exciting we're so glad to share our love of our favorite band with you guys
3: that's right and as always music by will see will music.com we'll see you guys next time sail on sailors